What's up, Crossroads fam? Glad that you're here with us. This is Kenny, and man, it has been a while. It's been a crazy couple of weeks, but thank you for tuning in. Uh, we had a couple of week break where uh, we had a Wednesday night where we didn't have Crossroads. We had a, a gift from Kenny to Crossroads. We bought pizza for everybody and just had a, a fellowship night, and that was cool. And then the next week was spring break, and very blessed we were able to, uh, to take a little trip uh, for our 20th anniversary, which was in December. We couldn't afford anything then, and uh, just decided in December that we were going to take a trip to New York. So we've got a very dear friend, Mr. Nathan Tubbs, who is a uh, church plant pastor in Brooklyn and Bay Ridge. And so we had the opportunity to go up and surprise him. But we wanted to make this trip a little bit different. So we uh, we took my mother-in-law and father-in-law. One of the things that, that I regret and will always regret is there are certain things that I never had the opportunity to do with my parents. And just talking with Jack, I said, you know, I think we need to take your mom and dad to New York with us. And so we're very fortunate to be able to do that and take our son, of course, and it was just a, a wonderful trip, but we're back and we're ready to finish up our final step. We we skipped step four, and the reason we skipped step four is we didn't skip it on a Wednesday night. We just, we had some technical problems and our video didn't turn out and audio didn't work. So uh, we're going to catch you up in this study. So you're not going to miss out on step four. You'll miss out on some of the stories, but you're still going to get the principle of what it is. And um we will finish our fifth step tonight, which is don't quit. One of the easiest things for us to do is to give up. Uh, one of the hardest things for us to do is to get started. But once we get started, the momentum's going. Why not keep it going? So thank you for being a part of this podcast, and welcome to Crossroads. This doesn't guarantee success. There is no guarantee to success. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you might have. There is no proof positive that if you follow a certain regimen that you're going to have success. These are five steps that I believe if we were to do and genuinely do it with the best of our ability, that God would do something powerful through our lives. And in my mind, the greatest success in being a Christian is one that has no desire whatsoever to get a pat on the back, but they genuinely want to serve others. And I almost got the word genuinely out. I've got an ulcer on the side of my tongue. So at some point, if it sounds like I've had some weird thing happen, it's an ulcer. So I apologize for that. But we're going to get through tonight. We started out with our first step. Does anybody remember what step number one was? I hear, I hear mumbling, but I can't tell what any of it is. Be a Christian. Be a Christian. First thing we got to do if we want to be a successful Christian is be a Christian. If I want to be a successful lumberjack, I don't need to be a beautician. I need to be a lumberjack, right? I mean, if, if that's what my goal is, then I need to get involved in that. So to be a successful Christian, first we've got to be a Christian. What's our second step? Don't say step number two. <laughs> It's not technically wrong, but it's really not the answer I'm looking for. It's the one before step three. Uh, you got to know God. And the reason we tell you this, of course, that's a duh thing, but I mean, we, we've got to know what we're doing. We've got to know who we're serving. There's no point in me trying to explain the greatness of God if I've never understood what it is. So part of us finding out what God is, we went through two weeks where we talked about the different attributes of who God is, the different things that God's Word says that He is, the promises that He makes to us, the love that He shares for us. So we start out in becoming a Christian, and then we know who God is. Uh, our third step, anyone? Commitment. Commitment. We've got to be committed. Uh, oh, Mm, here we go. I'm going to give you a preview of the next series, which won't start for a couple of weeks. But anyway, left hand, give me a five. You got to spread it out too. You can't just go, mm. 
You got, you got to spread. That's your preview. When you said commitment, it reminded me of that. So anyway, that's your preview, and it's a five, and it's just crazy how God's doing these things. But anyway, we're giving tattoos. It's going to be awesome. So anyway, make sure that you're here as the new series starts. But commitment, we are committed to many things. There are things that we fully invest in. And the thing that we've got to understand is if we want to be successful, whatever we're trying to be successful in, we've got to be committed to that. If you want to be the best dog trainer, you've got to be committed to dogs. You can't like hate dogs and want to just hang out with parakeets all day if you want to be a dog trainer. You've got to commit to being the dog trainer. If you want to be a talented musician, you can't just go through motions. You have to work. We talked about uh, the, those of you that were in blast. By the way, I said it before and I'll say it again. Amazing. Absolutely unstinking believable. I'm jealous. I would, I would have never done it when I was in school. Uh, they didn't really have music back then. It was more caveman grunts, so it wouldn't have been the same. But just watching what you guys do, it blows my mind. But there's a level of commitment there that is beyond my comprehension. Because, like, I could not. If they're like, okay, you'd be up here five days a week, I'm like, no, nah, I, ain't, I ain't blasting nothing. I can't do it. But we've got to be committed, and if we're going to be a successful Christian, there, our commitment level to Christ has to be great. It can't just be a phone-in thing. It can't just be a, I'll turn in God's Word occasionally. It's got to be something that we're committed to doing. And not committed so we can go around telling everybody, I spent 12 hours reading the Bible today, but committed because you desire to be closer to God. Our fourth step, anyone, last week. Do something. Do something. We've got to do something. God did not give us a halo to polish and sit on the shelf. He's given us battle gear. When it says that God's given you, you know, the, 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 the warrior's weapons, when he says he puts the armor of God on you, you've got to understand the armor was put on people as they went into battle. It wasn't put on people for them to sit back and polish. And we've talked about before in, in the days of the Ming Dynasty, if the soldiers would come back from the Ming Dynasty, when they would come back from a battle, if their warrior... Uh, armor wasn't beaten up, wasn't cut up, wasn't scarred up, wasn't bloody, then they would take them out and execute them because they knew that they had not been in a battle. They had gone off somewhere and hidden until it was over and tried to come back. And that's what God has given us this armor because it's not going to be a simple life. It's not going to be the easiest thing. There is a fight that goes on in our lives daily. And it's something we've got to, because we're committed to God, we've got to realize that we're going to have to fight daily. And we've got to do something with our faith. More than just wait for God to come back, we need to be sharing that with others. Sharing that message with others. And so we've gone through four steps, and tonight we're going to get to our fifth and final step. And again, this is not a guarantee of success, but if you will be willing to take these five steps, I think it's going to take us places you never imagined. Take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 9. How many of you, when you wake up in the morning, you're just good to go? As soon as your alarm goes off or as soon as someone comes to wake you up, you pop out of bed and you're just, woo <laughs> Okay, so we've got one weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> one person. I, I, I've never been that way. I think one of the hardest things for me to do is to get going. How many of you have something that you want to do that you just keep putting off? Something that you want to do that you just keep putting off. Karen and I have already talked about working on vehicles. I'll get to that. There are things in our life that we know we want to do, we know we should do, and we keep putting it off. We've been in our house for 10 years. God has blessed us, and we were able to build a house, and we've got a basement, and it is studded in, whatever that means, and it's got war running through it, and there's lights in it. 
but it's not finished. And for 10 years, I walked through that basement almost every day, and I go, yeah, we're going to need to finish this sometime. My son now has started, hey, Dad, would you finish the basement? Because I want to move downstairs to get away from you. And I completely understand. And I know there's things that I want to do. I know that there's things that I've got to do for me to finish that basement. I've got just a couple little steps, and we can get started. But I just keep pushing it off. I can't seem to get started. There are things in our life that happen that way. You know, for some of you, maybe it's cleaning your room. Your mother told you about seven months ago, you better clean that room. Or maybe your parents don't talk to you. Maybe they're like, hey, if it's not too much of an inconvenience, if you wouldn't mind picking up, I don't know. That's not the way we roll. I'm like, hey, Barrett, if you don't clean up your room, I'm going to cut your legs off, okay? And so we, we, we speak very bluntly in our house. Maybe for some of you, it's cleaning up that room, and you're like, oh, crap. I knew there was something I was supposed to do. And you just never get around to it. Uh, when, I, when I was a kid in church, there were these men that would come and they would speak occasionally. And they would have this wooden token and they would hand it to you. And it was called a to-it. And they would hand it to you and you go, thanks, what is this? It's a round to-it. <laughs> See, I had the same response. Get a round to-it? Yeah, so. And I'm like, thank you, old man. <laughs> right now, it's like, ping, ping. Oh, 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 oh. Some of you will drive home and go, Oh, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you, they would pass those out, and they'd be like, oh, have a round to it. You know, I thank you, old man of God. Uh, I don't know what to do with this. But we all have these things, and you've got things in your life that you need to get around to. Maybe it's studying for an exam. Maybe it's filling out things for college entrances and, and scholarships and, and whatever it is that's coming your way. There are things that we need to start. And we, we came to an understanding last week, or hopefully you understand this. It's one of these things where we know that we should be doing something with our faith, more than just polishing our halo, more than just resting in the security to know that God is ours and we've got salvation and one day eternity will be spent in heaven. God has given us that salvation for more than that. And we know we should be doing something with it. And we talked about last week, once we finally do something with it, we come to find out that it wasn't near as bad as we thought it was going to be. You know, it's like diving for that first time like we talked about last week. When you finally dive for that first time, not die, but dive. When you dive into water for that first time, once you accomplish it without doing a belly flop, you're like, you know, it wasn't as bad. It wasn't as bad as I thought. And then in your mind, you're like jumping off cliffs and stuff. You've got it figured out. But it took so much courage for you to take that step, for you to actually do it. And it's the same thing in sharing what God is in your life. Sharing how God has changed you, how if God has done something in your life, if you've opened up your heart to him, sharing with someone what that means, that is important. And it takes a lot of courage to do that. I will not stand before you and say there's nothing to it. I'm a professional Christian. That's what people say. You know, it's a joke in youth ministry. Uh, I, I work at a church for a living. Anything from custodial to computers, we do it all. And this is what I get paid to do is go in and talk to people about Christ. But me sitting down one-on-one with, per- with someone, I am horrified for the exact same reasons you are. I don't want them to think that I'm weird. I don't want them to think that, that, that I'm just one of those out there people that's going to be standing there with signs, cursing people all the time because I'm going to throw a hex on you because you don't love God. I don't, I, don't, I don't want them to, to ask me a question I don't know the answer to. I mean, I do this for a living. I should know all the answers, right? Wrong. I don't. I, I get stumped all the time. Jessica come home and go, hey, one of my kids ask a question. I said, you are smarter than I are. You figure it out. You know? I have the same fear, but when I do it, 
man, I'm just like, ah, it feels good. And then we get to that place where we've finally done it. So what's our next step? Our next step would be the fifth step. And our fifth step is, is really a simple thing. Somebody tell me something about Isaac Newton. Other than he invented the fig Newton. I know that, okay? He was smart. He was smart. Anyone with a sir in the front of his name has got to be smart, yeah? Sir Isaac Newton, anyone? Got, give me something. Y'all are all brainiacs. Tell me something. He invented calculus. Really? I didn't know. I thought you were going to say he invented gravity. And I was like, that's what I would have said. I don't know. I think that's, that's the story that he was like kicking it under an apple tree and it fell on his head and he said, I have invented gravity. Probably didn't say it. And you know, that, that's what he's, one of the things, I didn't know calculus though, but I mean, I quit when they started putting letters in math. So Isaac Newton is one of the greatest minds that has ever been. And one of the things that he said is that a body in motion. Yes. And he even pointed when he said, stay in Yes, a body in motion stays in motion. Now, that concept answers our question great on what do we do. After we've taken these four steps, we've got some momentum going. We need to keep that momentum going and actually take that step and not quit. Don't stop the momentum. Now, there are times in your life when you need to stop what's going on. There are times in your life that you have to stop things. If a baseball is flying at your face, it's a good idea for you to stop that. If not, you're going to get plastered in the face. My nose was crooked for a lot of my younger days because I didn't realize how important a glove was. There are things that you need to stop. Barrett starts driving. So he's hanging out in the beast yesterday, and we're driving down the road. And he's just kicking it like a pack of ninjas. You know, I won't let him turn the radio up or anything. And we're talking. He's driving. He's doing a great job. I said, guess what happens today? He was like, what's that? I said, you're going to drive down the hill. Dun, dun, dun. If we had music, it would do that. And if you've never been to my house, come to my house sometime. But our house, when we built the house, we've got a basement. And to drive down to the basement, it's, it's a steep hill. When we first built the house, I remember driving down to the basement because I had a lot of stuff in the back of the little truck I was in. And when I started down, I was horrified. I mean, y'all know when you're driving and you get kind of scared, like the boogeyman's running at you in your car, you're like, ah. Because when you pull to start to go down the hill, you can't see the road. All you see is tops of trees. And you're like, oh, Nike. And so then you, you crest that little cap, and then all of a sudden you're looking straight down. And then you start down the hill, and you're like, okay, I'm not going to use anything in gear, and I'm putting on the brake, and I'm praying. If I were Catholic, I'd do one of these or something. Sorry to our Catholic friends. Uh, whatever, you know. And I was, I was horrified the first time I did it. And so Barrett pulls up yesterday. And I just knew it wasn't the right day for him to do it. Because he's like, hey, you got your crash helmet? Check this out, Dad. I'm going to put it in first. We're going to pop a clutch. And we're going to jump over the swing set. Woo! You know, and I hear like generally, and I'm like, no, son, today's not your day. Yes, it's orange. And yes, it's no, it's not. You're not generally in across our property. So I was like, it's just not your day. It's just, just not the right time. Okay? We needed to stop. Because if we didn't, we were going to plummet to someone's death. Probably mine because I'd have wet my pants and we would have drowned, right? I, it was one of those moments. And I was like, hey, uh, Barrett, I just don't, I don't think it's time. Are you sure, Dad? Because I'm feeling confident. And I'm like, nah, I'm pretty sure, son. You No. And so me being daddy, what I say my son does sometimes. And I, I was like, hey, just, just put the brake on. Just stop. He was like, oh, okay. 
So he pulls the mercy brake up, knocks it out of gear, gets out and talks to the dog. Because that's what you do at our house. You talk to the German Shepherd. He speaks German. They speak German. So they hang out for a little bit. And then I get in and I drive it on down. Now, Barrett stopped when we needed to stop. Now, I told him to do it, but ultimately, he's the one that stopped. You see, there comes a time when we have to make the choice on what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. It can't be based on what anyone else says. I could have told him to stop, and he could have said, sure, I'll stop as soon as I'm finished killing you, whatever he says. You know, but we have to make the choice on what we're going to do. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Someone read that for us, please. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Do not stop in doing what is good. Again, there are things in our lives that we need to stop. There, there are attitudes in our, in our hearts that we need to stop. There are thoughts that go through our mind that we need to stop. But in doing good, do not stop. Do not grow weary. Don't stop doing what you should do. Because in due time, you're going to reap a harvest. And for us, that's one of the hardest things because not many of us are farmers in here. How many of you have ever gone out and harvested a whole field full of anything? I have eaten. We got some that did it. I have not. I, I grew up with peach trees all around me, and I've picked probably three in my life. I just, I've never been into farming. That's not one of my things. But the concept of a harvest, and we understand that a harvest comes from lots and lots and lots of work. You think about these cornfields, and if you ever get up into the Nebraska or Iowa area, and you drive it as far as you can see, it's just flat land with silos here and there. And you're looking at tens of thousands of acres of corn. And it's just a flat field. But if you drive back a couple of weeks later, there's a little bit of something growing. If you drive back a couple of more weeks later, it's even taller. And before long, it's this flourish of just beautiful green everywhere because corn is growing. But it's taken a lot of time. And that's not something we like. We don't like to take time. We now have an Instapot that can do what a Crock-Pot does in 12 minutes. Because we don't want to spend that much time. My favorite thing in the world, um, mm, my wife will cook a roast and it's so good, you will just like spot that with your tongue. It's that good. I love that roast. And she's like, I think I'm going to do it in the pot. And I was like, no. No, 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 no. It needs to be in that crock pot. Because that thing ain't going to cook all day. And you're going to walk in the house, you're going to open up the door and be like, mm. and you're going to float up the stairs. You're not walking, you're floating. Because that crock pot is just screaming, pot rose. And man, you bring that, mm, oh, mm. man, that thing is good. But we ain't got time for that. What if she forgot to get up at 5.30 and put it on yesterday morning? And then last night we'd have wish sandwich. Y'all know we wish hammock, right? You get this piece of bread and this piece of bread and wish you had something to go in between it, right? That's where we would have been. But no, no, no. We crock potted all day so we could eat like champs last night. But we don't like to wait. We want everything instantly. We want everything fast. Uh, I, I, once a week I get to meet with uh, some youth ministers, and today on Wednesdays a lot of times I get to meet with Ian Velasquez. He's one of my favorite people in the world. And so sitting with Ian, I asked him, I said, now, at Neighborhood, are there times when people like throw fits about their food? And he was telling me about a person in our church that was just a complete jerk about his food. And I was just like, man, I would have smacked him or thrown a knife through his eye or something. That's just terrible. And he said, yeah, he said, the biggest complaint was his food didn't get there fast enough. And I, I'm the same way. How many of you gone fast food and you just, after you order, you just stand there for what seems like entirely too long? You're like, fast food. <laughs> That's me. 
I mean, if they're not handing it to me by the time it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, what the crap's the hold up? You ordered, a, you ordered something that's not even a number, sir. You said, could I have a number? <laughs> and we don't have that on our menu anywhere. I'm trying to build whatever that is right now. And you're frustrated because it's not there instantly. We want it fast. We're planning this trip to New York. And my wife and I, when we're coming back on the flight, she's like sending me a text message. Guess what I found? No, this was in the car ride to the airport. And I was like, I, you're in the back seat of some stranger's car. There's no telling what you found. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. She said, I found a direct flight. Now, for those of you that have not flown to New York, usually you have to stop 28 or 30 times. Usually if you leave Birmingham, Alabama, you've got to stop like Huntsville. or No, you go to Atlanta or you go to somewhere else, and then you finally get into New York. A direct flight means only three hours you're going to be in the air. <laughs> Amazing. Because I want to get there fast. I mean, I want that teleport thing. All right, are we ready? Dear God, give us a safe trip. Bing! Oh, we're here. That's what I want. I want instant. Instant potatoes aren't even fast enough for me. I cooked potatoes last night or whatever an instant potato is. I cooked it last night. And it was like, gonna heat this up, gonna do this, put that in. Soon, gonna start stirring as soon as you put this in. And I started stirring, and before long, it was just a, a stuff. And I think it was potatoes. And it was delicious. But it was, it took too much time. I was like, I'm ready to eat now. I want it now. You know, that's the way we are. And because that's the way we are, we don't understand that in due time is when the harvest comes. To not stop in doing what is good. One of the hardest things in the world for, for me to comprehend is that we live in a society that's content to settle. And that's something that I pray about for you guys. I pray about for, for any students that I work with, that, that you would never be content with okay. Um, big mistake probably in my life was yesterday, after Barrett and I talked about income tax for a little while. We have interesting conversations. What can I say? I know you're jealous, right? What can you? Yeah, but anyway, he like, starts talking about college. And he says, Dad, I don't mean to seem mean or anything, but did you make okay grades in school? <laughs> and I was like, no, I did not. He said, really? I said, no, I did not make okay grades, son. I said, I did enough to get out of school. And I said, my parents were okay with that, but I'm not. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, my mother and father, they were okay with me doing good enough to get by. And from the day I graduated high school, I realized what a mistake that was. That there has to be something inside of us that desires to be more than just okay. But doing that means that there's going to be sacrifices that have to be taken. And things that we have to do to make us further. But because we're in that society that okay is good enough, what we find is we, we're falling short of what our dreams are many times. We are falling short. Probably one of the most devastating things I've ever seen. There was a television show, and it was something about Mount Everest. I can't remember the title of the show, but it showed these teams that were climbing Mount Everest. And there was this guy from Tampa, Florida. He had been in a motorcycle wreck, and he had metal all in his body. And he had been training for years, and this was his fourth or fifth time to attempt to, to get to the summit of Mount Everest. And it follows them from base camp, which is like really, really high elevation. And then the, the further they go up, the more oxygen they have to get and stuff. And he gets... 15 meters from the very top. And one of the Sherpas says, you have to turn around and go back. He says, I'm 15 meters from the top. I've got to keep going. He says, you can't because you will die. 
You've got to turn around now. And 15 meters looking at what your dream was and just turning around and walking away from it. And I think a lot of times that's the world that we're living in. We get to the place where we can see what we really want and something in our mind shuts us down and we say that's good enough. We were in Manhattan and, and Jessica's mother had this list of things that she wanted to see when we were in New York. And she, she wanted to see all these different things, but one of the things she wanted to see is Tiffany's. Now, I don't see what the big deal is. But for ladies, it's a big deal, I'm hearing. And, and there's this movie called Breakfast at Tiffany's. You can spend a billion dollars and you can actually have breakfast at Tiffany's. It's a jewelry store. It's not like going into Moorlands. We had a lady on our trip last year. She went into to, um, to Tiffany's. And she, <laughs> Brian, this is your wife I'm talking about. But Bethany's country. <laughs> Bethany's country, right? So even in New York, I'm country. And I'm like, hey, how are you doing? They're like, you must be from Alabama. <laughs> I'm like, why are you saying that? But anyway, Bethany is, she's country. And she walks in, she goes, hey. <laughs> she said, hey, I don't have a lot of money to spend, but I want something from Tiffany's. And the lady goes, how much money do you have? I had to sound just like that. And she said, well, and Bethany says, I was thinking I'm going to splurge. I've got $100. However, she did it. And the lady goes, oh, we have two items that you could have for $100. She said, two things, huh? She said, yeah, each pendant is $100. That's it. Everything else in that store costs more than that. So, I mean, this is a big deal store. You don't go in there and think, oh, I got 30 bucks. I think I'll get my wife something nice. No, $30, they might open the door for you. That might be it. But my mother-in-law, Miss Carla, or as, as she's beginning to be known around here, Coco. Coco wants to go to Tiffany's. And I'm looking at my father-in-law and go, bro, you about to spend some bank. And he's like, I'm sorry, I turned my hearing aid off. I can't hear a word you're saying. <laughs> and so Jessica and Miss Carla find Tiffany's. And they look at Tiffany's from afar. Not afar as in, well, it's afar, as from a distance. And then they walk closer and they cross the road and they get to Tiffany's. And as they get to the door, Miss Carla goes, okay, and turns around and walks. <laughs> and Jessica came back. I said, y'all go to Tiffany's? She said, oh, yeah. I said, well, how was it? She said, I, we didn't even go inside. I said, you what? That's one of the things she wanted to see. That's all she wanted was just to see it. She just wanted to see it. We walked by some kind of cooking thing. I don't know what it was. They made bread or something. I don't know. It was really fancy. And Miss Carter's like, ooh, because you know, Coco, she cooks like a champ. Coco's be cooking, right? And so we walk by this store, and she's telling you everything that's in this store. She even knows the people behind the counter, right? She just knows this stuff. And I was like, oh, you want to go in, Miss Carla? Oh, no. You can't argue with Coco. We go to St. Peter's Cathedral, one of the most magnificent churches I've ever seen. And, and you walk in, and there's this beautiful entrance, and there's this beautiful, everything is beautiful. And I'm looking at Miss Carla, but we're standing outside. I said, hey, let's go in. And she said, no, mm -mm. no. I said, yeah. And so we finally walk in. I thought I was going to tote her in, right? I mean, she ain't been like this big. She'd be like, oh. So I could have carried her in if I had to. But, I mean, we get inside, and then there's these two people standing there, and they're checking bags as you walk in. We didn't have any bags, and I was like, Miss Carla, come on, let's go on in. And she's like, no, no. I don't know if she thought she would lose her Baptist 
if she went into this church, into this cathedral. But it honestly, it's one of the most magnificent things I've ever seen. The most beautiful stained glass and everything is just, ah. Uh. And so I'm like, come on, Miss Carla, come on in. I'll go in with you. I'm a minister. I'm a man of the God chapter of book or whatever. I can do this. And so I'm going to carry my mother-in-law in. And she's like, no. And so I just kind of gently touch her arm like I'm going to give her a little encouragement. She snatched back. I was like, Coco's about to beware. Y'all don't know. That's wrestling. Anyway, so finally, Barrett looks at me and says, I want to go. I was like, well, let's go. And so we're walking down there. And I said, don't play in the water because there's this holy water. I was like, don't go play in that. And so we, we walk around, and I look back, and my mother-in-law is inside. And she's got a hold of Jessica's arm, and she's just looking at everything. She, she wanted to see everything, but she didn't want to get too close. She didn't want to experience it. And for a lot of you sitting here, for a lot of us in this room, that's the way we are with our faith. We want to get close enough to where we can see it, but then we just shut down. Something stops us from going further and truly experiencing what God is. And maybe it's fear. Maybe it's a bad taste in our mouth because of something that's happened. I don't know what it is, but for many of us in here, that's what happens to us. And because I'm a youth pastor, I probably deal with this more than most folks in ministry. Because your teenage years is when this truly seems to happen. Because there comes a time when you make that decision. There comes a time when there's an excitement in your eyes about what God is. But then as you continue to get older, that light seems to get dimmer because you're filling your mind with more of what the world is. Not that that's a bad thing, but when it takes away from what God is, we find ourselves walking away from that fifth step, that step that says don't stop. And we find ourselves putting on the brakes and just standing there. Almost as if it's an emergency thing to where if times get bad enough, I'll take that step. But for right now, I'm just going to hang out here. And for many of us, that's what's going on in our lives right now. We've shut down everything about God. We've shut down our desire to be closer to Him. We've shut down our compassion for others. We've shut down our, our willingness to open up our heart and to listen with more than just our ears, to listen with everything that we are. And we find ourselves putting on the brakes and stopping. But in due time, there'll be a harvest. In due time, there will be a harvest if we don't give up. If we don't quit. One of the hardest things in the world to get started is to get started. But one of the easiest things in the world is to keep going. So what's stopping you? What's keeping you from making that fifth step more of what your life is? What's keeping you from the momentum that started when you gave yourself to Christ? What is it that stopped you? And I want you to understand, this is not a bash on teenagers. Because I was a teenager too. And I was the same way. What is it that stops us and keeps us from being all that God's created us to be? If we could put our fingers on what that is and we could get rid of it, what could our life be? What if we took those five steps and genuinely did all of those steps? What if we genuinely became someone that would just come to church occasionally and hear what the Word is? Someone that actually daily sat down with God. That's a follower. That's one that's doing more than just attending. They're following Christ. 
What if you genuinely began to know who God is because you're in a personal relationship with God? That He is your shepherd. That He is everything that you need. When God said, let there be light, He gave you everything and that's enough. What if there was a commitment in your life that was greater to God than anything else? What if you did something with your faith? And what if once you started doing something with your faith, you didn't stop? What if it's something that continued through the rest of your life? What kind of difference could you make, not just in a small town like Clinton, but in the world? Don't quit. Get momentum going and let it roll. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find all our places where you can get in contact with us. Or feel free to drop by sometime. Meet us at West End Baptist Church, Clanton, Alabama, or drop by on a Wednesday night at Crossroads, which is on the campus of West End Baptist Church. Love to hear from you. Love to just see what you're getting from this. And as always, thank you for being a part of Crossroads.